0: Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 12, beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, and guess what? That's you. <laughs> let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us, that's you again, run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, as we look at these two verses in Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, first thing that we see is that we are called to a race and if you're not running um you might need to get in the game Um, but we are all called to a race the race is not who gets there first but who crosses the finish line (laughs) that's the race the race is a heavenly prize a heavenly reward it's that we all make it across the finish line amen and so we need to re- be reminded sometimes by the Holy Spirit that we are indeed not just here for our own care, our own desires. We're not here for our own belly aches, but we're here to exist for his glory. We're here to run a race For his glory we're here to do a job that glorifies and uplifts the Lord Jesus Christ we're here to point other people to the cross where they can find God amen that's what we're here for and when we forget that we begin to get off track we begin to get worried about this that and the other and so this that and the other is what I want to minister to you tonight Um, but when but when we when we neglect to remember that we're in a race, we will begin to allow ourselves to get caught up in stuff you were never designed to get caught up in. okay? God designed us to be a, a witness, to be a witness out in the world and to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers. God has designed us, to not merely exist but to be a witness and if you're not being a witness for the lord jesus christ you're just existing all you're doing is getting you're just twiddling your thumbs until it's time for you to go home but god has called you to a higher existence and that is to be a witness for the lord jesus christ in fact The book of 1 John says that when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost bears witness in you. That means you have the witness of the Spirit in you. And if you're born again, and you have the witness of the Holy Ghost in you, but you're not letting the witness out of you, you're clogging up the flow. You're clogging up the flow because you're not willing to get on board with god's way and god's design and god's plan so there's a couple of points that i want to uh, i just want to reference in this verse number one um he he says at the beginning of this verse wherefore Uh, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, this cloud of witnesses is the hall of fame of faith. This is all, you know, uh, Moses and and, and Enoch and Noah and all these great men and, and, and women of God. This hall of fame of faith, it bears witness against us. You see, you know why it bears witness against us? Because in, in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 6, it says that, that um, you know, their desire was to please God. And that bears witness against us when our desire is to please men, when our desire is to please me, when our desire is to please another person. You see, when we get mixed up on that, and remember, that's what set them apart, is their desire to please God, to believe that he is, and to obey him, to please him. And so, you know, that's what we've been called to do as believers. And you might say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, that's okay. God will work that out as long as you'll get in motion. As long as you're willing and surrender, God will work that part out. I remember listening to a person that said, you know, they um they were ministering and they said a a friend of theirs um said you know i can't go out and witness to people on their door anymore i can't go out and do that because of my health and he said but if i wrote letters would you take them with you when you go and the guy said sure i'll take them with me and the guy began to make little letters but they turned into what we call tracks okay and and this guy began to write these tracks handwriting tracks. And then people began to copy them, fold them, mail them to loved ones. And today, today from that one guy, over 2 million of his tracks are in production in the world today. He's reached people from on different continents, different countries, different nations. All because he had a willing heart. He surrendered who he was to God. Amen? And and see, in most of us, we get to the point where we say when we can't do anything anymore, we just quit. We'll just turn on the TV. Let's see what's on. Is bananas on? How about gun smoke? What's on tonight? When God's called you to a higher place than just merely existing, okay? God's called you to a higher place. Now watch this. This is going to be good. Now, watch this. It says that we're surrounded by these cloud of witnesses. So let us, you know, you're included on that now. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, some of you have heard of a besetting sin before. The, the word beset means to surround. When, when you're involved in sin, it surrounds you. You can't, how how many of you know you can't just toy with sin? You know, if you flirt with sin, guess what it does? It surrounds you. It's like seaweed. It just surrounds you and it swallows you and envelops you. You've got to make a decision to not go on that side of town. You've got to make a decision to not do that anymore because if you flirt with sin, sin will beset you a besetting sin is a sin that has completely surrounded you and what it does is it chokes you off from being who god called you to be it robs you from running your race and finishing your race it robs you from being who god made you to be that's a besetting sin but before the besetting sin is something i believe is probably much more Likely to hit target in most churches in America What is it that is before the besetting sin? It's every weight which hinders you Every weight that hinders you and so we're we're talking about tonight these things That weigh us down You know that so many people are weighed down by Carrying things God did not design you to carry You know, you you can hold on to yesterday and you can worry about tomorrow, but you weren't built for that. You're treading on things that belong to God. You know what God built you to do? Trust him. Period. That's what God built you to do. Tomorrow is going to come. Maybe, maybe not. Yesterday's over. You can't drag it into today. But today, in the here and now, this is the moment we exist in, and we're called to rest in Christ and trust the Lord with all our hearts. Amen? But, But I believe that most churches today fail in this area, fail in this area. Most of us fail in this area. It's hard. It's hard to let yesterday go, and it's hard to not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Especially if your cupboard's bare, you know. How am I gonna get food tomorrow? Right? It's hard. So let's let's think about this for just a second. A weight is something that is unprofitable. A weight is something that is unprofitable. When you're running a race, what you want to do, if if I know that, you know, everybody in here runs miles a day, right? But when you're running a race, you you don't want to have all kinds of stuff in your pockets and in your hands and around. Why? Because it's keeping you back. It's not allowing you to accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish, right? So this weight in perspective of running a race is something that is unprofitable for your journey, right? In fact... It could keep you from finishing your race if you get too bogged down. We, you know, ministered about a month ago a message about you know being stuck. You're going to have rut. You're going to rut. You're going to rot, or you're going to have revival. Amen. Is a W toes are special right there. Rut, rot, or revival. Make a choice. And so many people would rather stay in a rut. So many people would just stand there and rot but god's called you to experience revival even on a daily basis amen you know you realize you're the temple of the living god right you realize you don't have to go to a temple and make sacrifices the sacrifice has already been made and the spirit of god dwells in you now now you are the temple of the living god and so you know as such as such we have a responsibility here now in this message here uh, we're talking about weights that are unprofitable. Things um, that we, you could characterize as cares of the world, worries, and fears. Cares of the world, worries, and fears. Now, worry is is pretty unique. Worry is something that a lot of people do, and I'll, I'll tell you how it usually goes. If 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 you are being weighed down by worry, this is what will happen. You will stay up, and you will plot every possibility for every situation. If I do this, then they'll do that. But if I do this, then what if they do that? You will begin to plot every single possible situation that's called worrying about something well if i don't do this then they're going to do that well if i do this though then this is going to happen and if somebody is weighed down by worry you know what they're going to do they're going to be frozen they're going to be frozen because they're thinking of the endless possibilities that could happen amen the endless possibilities Worry has never helped anybody one bit. Worry has actually added a few of these. (laughs) A few gray hairs. Worry does not help us. So it is what I called this weight that is unprofitable. And if I'm running a race, but I'm bogged down in worry, I'm not going to be accomplishing what God has called me to accomplish. I'm going to be too worried about all these possible things. My mind is going to be so off course in things that most likely will never happen. And even if it does happen, you can't stop it. You're not God. Amen. Amen. That's why God's called us to trust him. I don't know what's going to happen if they kick me out of my house. Well, when they kick you out of your house, you're going to have to trust God to provide you somewhere to live. You're just going to have to trust God. Well, what's going to happen if I, you know what? We have to trust the Lord. We have to trust the Lord. If we worry about things, it's not profitable for our souls, not profitable for our souls because we have this race that we have been called to run now here is something that i want to i just want to share with you it's the cares the cares of the world now i want to reference this with mark chapter four so if you have your bibles uh, you can hold your place where you are but turn over to mark chapter number four and if you're familiar with the word of god in mark chapter four Jesus breaks down this parable about the sower that went out to go sow the word, sow the seed. And actually, Jesus said that if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything that he teaches. How many of you have heard that before? If you don't understand the parable in Mark chapter 4, you're not going to understand anything else that he teaches. Because it is so foundational to our faith walk it is so foundational if we don't get this we're just out in left field amen so one of the things that happens in Mark chapter 4 is the Lord talks about um, this seed that falls on thorns the seed that falls on thorns if you've ever planted a garden you don't really want to plant your seed on thorns because it's not going to have a, it's not going to have the desired result, but some of us have thorny souls, and when the word of God is sown on our thorny souls, it does not have the desired result. So many times people say, well, I don't understand why I'm not going. I don't understand why I'm not doing this. I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Well, Jesus said, if you don't understand Mark 4, you're not going to understand anything. Yeah. But if you'll listen to what the Lord says in Mark 4, you'll get a revelation each of us each of us are one of these four um qualities it is about the soul of your heart or the condition of your heart but look look at this some of the seed falls on thorny ground and and you know don't look to your neighbor but some people have thorny hearts some people have thorny hearts um but that, that, um, it says in verse 7 that when the thorns grew up, it choked it, and it yielded no fruit. It yielded no fruit. Now, if you look at this later on, which I would encourage you to do in Mark 4, it's the same seed that's falling on different types of ground. You might say, well, brother so-and-so, he's just so excited about the word of God, he needs to tone it down a little bit. You ever felt like that before? Sister so-and-so, she's so excited about the Lord. I mean, what has she got to be excited about? Her life's turned upside down, but look at her. She's all, see, the same word of God is sown in every person's life. It's just that we have different types of soil. We're receiving it in different types of soil. Some people receive it on good ground, and some people it's thorny. And some people it's stony. amen some people it falls by the wayside they just goes in one ear and out the other but i want to show you something about this because we're talking about these things that weigh us down so look over here in verse number 18 verse number 18 is the corresponding verse for number seven so in verse number 18 of mark 4 the word of god says uh, because look look what he's doing, okay? Jesus is explaining, he's explaining the parable. He's telling them, when the, when the same word of God that's sown on all these uh, different hearts, when it's sown on thorny ground, let me explain that to you. He said in verse 18, these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of, of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful so even if you read the word of god on a daily basis and even if you listen to sermons on cds for 18 hours a day if you are plagued by the cares of this world that will become unprofitable and unfruitful because you're weighing yourself down through cares cares is an, is a word for anxiety or worry a cares of this world it is another way of saying anxiety or worry the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches now these things that are unprofitable these cares are worrying about how am i going to pay Swepco? how am i going to do this how who, who am i going to be here with where am i going to go at this time who's going to be there when i do this these cares of the world not only involve things like this but how many of you know cares of the world they also will involve things like gun smoke bonanza ball games on cares of the world will rob you from becoming a fruitful christian the cares of the world will rob you from being a fruitful christian you know um a minister said earlier this week he said Um, The clock on the wall has killed more revivals than the demons of hell ever thought about. It's 12 o'clock, revival's over. Shut the doors. Turn out the lights. The clock on the wall, the calendar, it has killed more revivals than demons in hell ever thought about killing. Why is that? Because we compartmentalize God. You know what it means to compartmentalize? We only, that means you only give God this block of, of your heart. But once this block of my heart's over, all I'm about is my football team or my TV show or my this or my that. And God's telling us that if those cares of the world are there in our lives, it doesn't matter how much of the word of God you, you hear or read it's going to become choked the cares of the world will choke the word of god from becoming profitable to you the cares of the world and so we've got to make those choices in our lives just like you were running a race to cast off the bible said in hebrews 12 lay aside every weight Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. So we've got to make conscious decisions to change things in our lives where the cares of the world are harvested. We've got to make those choices. And, And look, every single person is wired different, so every single person has different cares, Every single person has a different uh, thing that they rely on or that they run to. But these cares of the world, let's just say it like this. These are things that are not eternal, okay? These are things that are not eternal. Sports games are not eternal. Gun smoke's not eternal. Movies on Netflix are not eternal. Video games are not eternal, Guess what? What's eternal? The things of God. The things of God, those are the things that are eternal. And when when we're being and, and allowing the cares of the world to to dwell in our lives, why do we get mad when we say, you know, I'm not growing. I'm not growing. I'm not, you know, I feel like I'm just existing. Well, as a Christian, you have not been called to just exist. Jesus said he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. So if you're not experiencing and walking in abundant life, it's because you're not allowing the word of God to have its intended result because you're more focused on the cares of the world and not on God. Right? Now watch this. It's the, the, the cares of the world, it chokes, it chokes. You know, it, it is an amazing thing. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful, right? It's quick and powerful. It makes, the, when, when the Bible says quick, he's not talking about it's, you know, fast. When the Bible says the, the word of God is quick and powerful, quick means it makes things come to life. The word of God makes things come to life. When you believe the word of God, you came to life. That's what it means. The, the Doctors, when a baby's born and it takes its first breath, doctors call that the quickening, or they used to. I read that in a, <laughs> in a commentary. They may call it something different because, see, I read old stuff. I don't read new people. <laughs> I read old stuff. I always have a rule of thumb that if, you know, I usually don't read somebody unless they've been gone for about 100 years. It keeps you in a good place. But look, it's that quickening is the making alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful, and it makes alive, but yet we can choke it because we're too focused on what's coming on TV at 7 or why, you know, they went up on my, my satellite rate. I'm calling them. They've got to bring that price. I mean, what are we doing? Why aren't we using that energy for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the kingdom? Why aren't we keeping ourselves busy about the Lord's work? Just like Jesus said. He said that, you know, when, his, uh, when Mary and Joseph were looking for him, he said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business do you know what it would do to God's heart if you had that same kind of attitude about life? When somebody said, why don't you go to the ball game? Don't you know I must be about the father's business? Why don't you go to the movies anymore? When's the last time you took a break? When do you want to go to the Don't you know I must be about my father's business? Aren't you going to come over to the cookout this weekend? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? I mean, what if we had the same kind of attitude that he did? What's stopping us? What's stopping us from having the same kind of attitude? It's okay to be zealous for God. It's okay to be zealous for God. I know it's 2018 and don't get too excited now. I know everything about our flesh says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let that preacher preach, but you know, you, you just tone it down a little bit. Crank, or maybe crank it up just a little bit. But look, what is stopping you from being zealous about God's house? What is stopping you from being zealous for the kingdom of God and saying, just like Jesus? Everybody likes to quote Jesus, say, judge not. Well, he's talking about the eternal state of the soul there. You know, you don't wanna, you don't wanna give somebody a harsh judgment when you need leniency. You know why Jesus said that? This is a rabbit trail. You know why Jesus said judge not? Because all of, everybody sees somebody else that's worse off than them. They're going to hell. They're going to hell. They're going to hell. But you know what? When you was lost and in sin, aren't you glad nobody said that to you? Aren't you glad nobody cast that judgment on you? People gave you a little bit of space, gave you a little bit of grace, and look what happened. And what if you gave people a little bit of space and a little bit of grace? Maybe you were a little bit long suffering with them, deal with them a little bit. Look, don't, don't, you can't make unsaved folk act saved. If we could get the saved folk to act saved, we'd be doing something. If we could get the saved folks to act like they're saved folks, we would accomplish more than trying to force the unsaved folks to act saved. And that's the gospel truth. What we need, what we need is to listen to the words of the Lord. So he said, you know, judge or not. But nobody ever, you never hear a bumper sticker. You never hear somebody have a bumper sticker or something like that that says, don't you know i must be about my father's business how many hats do you see that say that or t-shirts slogan no nobody likes to quote that one nobody likes to quote that one why because that means we've got to turn off the tv put the tv guy down it means we've got to turn some things off it means we've got to be about the lord's business being about the kingdom of god but Yet, we're not, and then we bellyache because we're not growing. And yet here, right here, Jesus says that these cares of the world will choke the word of God. That same word of, look, God's word has not changed From the time he spoke it, from the time Jesus said it, from the time the Holy Ghost grabbed Paul's hand and wrote, from those times, the word of God has not changed. You know what's changed? We've changed. We've grown faithless We've allowed the cares of the world to rise up, but God hasn't changed and his word hasn't changed. It's still just as powerful today as it ever has been. But when people allow the cares of the world to rise up, guess what? Chokes it. Now, look, we live in a different day and time than whenever Jesus spoke these words, right? Can you imagine what they had to worry about back then? Because, you know, they didn't have McDonald's. They didn't have TV. They didn't even have radio, electricity. They didn't have to worry about water bills. What did they have to worry about? Well, they had to worry about, you know, if they were believers, (laughs) about staying alive. Amen? It was a different life. It was a different life. Even uh, even 150 years ago was a totally different world. Our world has changed, you know, Extensively in the last hundred and fifty years, but well, the last ten years has changed probably even more than that. The condition of the world has, but yet the word of God is still the same. People even back then were allowing the cares of the world to rise up and choke the word of God, so that it was unprofitable. What were they? What were they worried about? Well, it really don't matter what matters more than what they were worried about is what you're worried about. That's what matters. What do you cared about? What drives you? What drives you? I know some people, they get, you know, if, if their favorite uh, ball team wins, you can't tell them, you know, nothing that week. But if their favorite ball team loses, they will actually go in hibernation for about three days because they're too scared to show their face to everybody. I'm serious. You know what that means? That means that we have put more and invested more of who we are in things that are not eternal than in the kingdom of God. And if we are caring more about those things than the kingdom of God, it will choke the word of God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10 real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke in Luke chapter number 10. And I want to just share with you a passage beginning in verse number 38 of Luke chapter number 10. See, the Lord is, is dealing with people because... We need to to take the time to make sure we're investing who we are. Uh, What I mean by that is investing is is buying in. Not not with your wallet, with your heart. Buying in means being on board with God. All that you are. Your dreams. Why would you dream about uneternal things, non-eternal things? When God designed you to dream about eternal things. What do I mean by that? When was the last time you dreamed that God would move on people through you and save souls? When was the last time you dreamed that you would pin tracks and change lives in the Philippines? When was the last time you dreamed a dream about seeing a move of God in a city and sweeping it for revival? When was the last time that you had eternal dreams, not temporal dreams? You see, the world has temporal dreams because they're temporal. We're supposed to dream about eternal things. We're supposed to dream about souls, about the kingdom of God advancing. We're supposed to dream about moves of God on people, about revivals and great awakenings and people being changed, sinners coming to Christ, drunkards becoming sober. We're supposed to dream about people with broken hearts finding healing at Christ's feet. We're supposed to dream for those things, but we're too busy with temporal cares and i'll i'll assure you this one step into eternity you're gonna wish you didn't care about those temporal things you know your your breath is on loan from god right and one day god's gonna take that breath back and you're gonna step out of this and into reality this is not reality this is temporal. Amen. When death comes and God draws that breath and you step out of this and you step into reality, you will wish you didn't invest so much time. All of us will wish we did not invest so much time in temporal things. Amen. We will wish that we had invested in eternal things. I heard a minister say one time, you know, there's, there's um, one thing that you can't do when you get to heaven. Now I've heard two. I heard Charles Spurgeon say, you know, when you go to heaven, God takes away the tear ducts. Amen. He said there's no tears there. But here's something you can't do. You can't go witness to somebody that's lost. Amen. You can only do that here. When was the last time we witnessed to somebody that was Lost. Well, I'm just not good with words, Brother Kenny. I know that y'all had that, you know that, that, that um, you know, that evangelism university. I didn't go through that. I'm not good with words. Well, you know what? We have some gospel tracts right out there in the hallway. We provide free of charge for people that aren't good with words. And you know what? You, could even, you can leave them at the doctor's office. You can leave them in restaurants. You can leave them at gas stations. You can leave them wherever you go. And if somebody ever tells you not to leave them, give them two. Amen? Because they surely need it. But what we've got to do is we've got to take our mind, and I I don't mean this, we've got to take our mind out of the gutter and put it on heavenly things. We're too cumbered about things that are here today and gone tomorrow, but we need to When was the last time you went to, you know, talk to other friends or, you know, family members or believers and and everybody had their mind on, Man, i I, I got to get back out there. I'm, you know, I'm praying for 10 souls today. I want to reach 10 souls today. When was the last time we got around people that were dreaming eternal dreams and, and longing to see God's kingdom advance in the world? When was the last time that we said, like Jesus said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? But whatever, you know what our problem is? We're about everybody else's business. We off in everybody else's business. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why did you do this to me? Why didn't I do that to you? Why did you do this? Why, did, why are we off in everybody else's business when God designed us to be about his business, to be about him, right? Because, you know, these, these temporal things, they, they are cares that will choke out the word of God in your life. Look in verse number 38. It says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Here's where the problem goes though. But Martha was cumbered about Temporal things. Martha was cumbered about, worried with, caring over. You, you know what it means to be cumbered about, right? You get worked. Have, how many of you ever got worked up about something? Amen? You get worked up about. This is the fifth time I've cleaned up this mess right here, and everybody keeps leaving a mess. Everybody keeps leaving a mess. Nobody's, nobody's doing like, nobody's helping me out. Nobody's. That's somebody cumbered about right there. Amen? Amen? You can get cumbered about about lots of stuff. Nobody's called me today. I was was doing this and that. Nobody's visited me. Nobody's written a letter. You can get cumbered about by all kinds of stuff. And so Martha is cumbered about just like we're talking about temporal things. If you're cumbered about temporal things, you're going to miss what God has for you she could have been at jesus's feet just like mary it says mary was at his feet and heard she you know what she wasn't at his feet playing video poker on her android phone or iphone she wasn't at his feet doodling she wasn't at his feet thinking about what bills she has to pay next week she was at his feet listening to his word right there's a difference there's a difference But watch this. Look at Martha, though. She was cumbered about temporal things, temporal things. She couldn't say that she was about the father's business because she was all about her business, right? Well, I've got to do this. Nobody else is going to do the dishes. Nobody else is going to do this. Nobody else is going to help me pick this up. Nobody else. If I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And so, you know, it's got to get done. You know that you can get too busy for God? Here's, here's a scenario. What if we're too busy with temporal things for God, but we are absolutely zero busy on doing the eternal things for God? We, you know, if you have the eternal things on one side and the temporal things on the other, our temporal things are a 100 and our eternal things are a 0. Then we wonder why we're not experiencing abundant life like Jesus promised. Well, he promised. Well, he also said that if, you, if you're cumbered about with the cares of the world, that the word would be unprofitable, unfruitful. Well, so if, if, your, if your temporal things are a 100 and your eternal things are a 0, but you walk around quoting, Jesus came to give life, give it more abundantly. Why am I not experiencing an abundant life? Why don't I have the peace of God in my soul? It's because you're choking the word of God because you've, you've tipped the scale the wrong way. You've got temporal cares at 100, just like Martha. Watch what it says about Martha. So Martha was cumbered about much serving because nobody else is going to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Nobody else got to do it. Somebody gotta do it. She was cumbered about much serving, came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore that she helped me. You know that whenever you get cumbered about temporal things, you get mad because nobody else is doing it. But if you get if you get busy doing things for God, you could care less. If you're writing letters for God, if you're doing it for God and nobody thanks you, it doesn't bother you. But if you're doing it for self and nobody thanks you, you're gonna get worked up. Right? If you go visit people, if you bake, if you you know cook them a meal, you know, God laid you on my heart. God laid you on my heart and I'm cooking you a meal. If they never say thank you, but and you do it unto God, you're not gonna care one bit because you're just doing it for God, for his kingdom. But if you're doing it for self, cook, and you say, God laid on my heart to cook you a meal, and they don't thank you, guess what? Yeah, I'll tell you what you'll, you'll say later. That's the last time I ever do anything for them. I will never do anything for that family again. I won't even call them if they're sick. Right? Right? doing things for self or doing things for God. And so see, Martha here, she's cumbered about these temporal things and she's kind of upset about it. But if you're doing things for God, it's not gonna upset you. Amen. Because you're doing it unto God. Doing things unto God and doing things unto self, the big, the, the, the big way to tell, the litmus test, to tell whether you're doing things for God or whether you're doing things for self is if you get upset about it. When you don't get thanked, when you don't get your name in the newspaper, when you don't get a pat on the back, when you don't get flowers or cards or candy, when you don't get the prize and you don't get all that, if it bothers you, there's a selfish thing in there. All right. So look what, look, look what Jesus said. So, you know, she gets upset because she's moved by her flesh, right? We would, if, if you were in your flesh, you'd get upset too. If you were doing something, quote, unquote, for God, but for selfish reasons, and nobody watched you, nobody, you know how it is. Nobody's helping me. You know how it is? And so she's upset. Nobody's helping. Look how he responds. Jesus answered her and said unto her, Martha, Martha, can you just, uh, you know, I know that nobody uses their imagination anymore, but what kind of tone do you think he says right here? You think he says, Martha, Martha, or do you think he said, Martha, Martha, what kind of tone do you think he says? I think he says it in love, right? (sighs) Have you ever seen somebody get worked up about something that's temporal? Huh? Huh? You, you, you know, it, it's like when you see your child. You see your child get worked up about something that don't matter. What do you tell them? Oh, come on now. It's not that bad, right? Come on, calm down, right? Let's see, but you, you know when you're worked up, nobody can calm you down though, right? <laughs> it takes you a few days to calm down. <laughs> All right. But look what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. And you remember what the cares of the world does, right? It chokes the word out, right? Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. She was worried about everything else under the sun except for the right thing, which is Jesus. She was worried about what people thought, how the house looked, what chores were gonna get done, who was thanking her, who was helping her, who wasn't thanking her, and who wasn't helping her. She was worried about everything else under the sun, but the one thing that was most important, which is Jesus. And when we do the same thing in our lives, we choke the word of God and cause it to be unfruitful, unprofitable, amen? And so just to kind of bring this back together, you know, we've all been called to run this race. Flip back over to Matthew chapter 10, and we're gonna close. Matthew chapter number 10, um, we've all been called to run this race. And the Bible says that we are to run this race with patience, with patience. That's a, the, the word that no Christian I've ever met has ever prayed for. It is, is for more patience because it doesn't come very easily. Patience is, is something that it comes with scars. When you learn how to be patient, it comes with scars. But we've been called to run with patience the race that is set before us And and notice how verse number two starts. So look, the, the first thing is I want you to see is that you have been called to shed off every weight in besetting sin. You've been called to lay it aside. Every temporal thing, every temporal care, everything like that is not supposed to weigh you down in your race that God has for you. And verse number two says, looking unto Jesus you're supposed to run with your eyes on Jesus you're supposed to run to Jesus with your eyes on Jesus for Jesus and with Jesus you see the whole race is only there um, it is there only When you're looking unto Jesus. If you're not looking unto him, you're not running the race. If you're not looking unto Jesus, you're living for yourself. You're living for yourself. But you have been called to run a race in which you look unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus means You know, you obviously can't see him with your physical eyes. Looking unto Jesus means keep, you know, the eye is the door to the soul. It is what direction you go in. It's where your ambitions lie. It's where your faith resides. It's where your hope stands. It's where your confidence is born. Who you're looking unto tells what direction you're going in. Who you're looking unto tells who matters more in your life. Who you're looking unto means where does your hope exist? What? See, so many people, they get so worked up about politics, so worked up about movies, so worked up about sports. You know, people that are into politics make fun of the people in sports. People in sports make fun of people in politics. People in movies make fun of people in... But everybody's getting worked up about things and not looking unto Jesus. Not looking unto Jesus. So I want to encourage encourage you tonight, read verse number two. Look unto Jesus, and if you'll look unto him, you'll begin to get yourself back in the race. Simply by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. I see, if you look unto him, if you look unto him, you'll get back in the race. You'll, you'll be running again for him. Then it's not going to matter when people don't thank you. Then it's not going to matter when people visit you. Then it's not going to matter if you, oh, good boy, Billy. It's not going to matter. Why? Too busy looking at him. Too busy looking at him. He's where my affection lies. He's where my hope lies. He's where my confidence is birthed from. Amen? Amen? Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for your love, for your grace. Lord, I thank you for helping us, Lord, in this life. Thank you that you did come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And Lord, tonight we're asking, Father, that you would stir us up. Stir us up, Father, to not be cumbered about those temporal things, but Lord, to pursue those eternal things. Father, we just ask tonight that you would stir us up to get back in the race, to begin to dream and hope and long for moves of God for souls to be saved, for lives to be changed, for Jesus to be lifted high, that your name would be exalted in all the earth. Lord, help us, Father, stir us up, that our hearts would desire those eternal things and we would not be bogged down, Lord, worrying about this, that, and the other. Father, I pray that you would seal this word tonight. Seal it in our hearts, and Lord, we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says,